So you're going through life feeling stuck, stuck in a mood, stuck in your head, stuck in a mode of operation, stuck in vicious cycles that fuck you on the regular, stuck in self-destruction. But also, who could really blame you when you don't feel like yourself and you don't recognize who you've become anyways? You've become a watered-down version of you, performing to extreme degrees in some areas, like working, caretaking, keeping yourself safe, treating your ailments, or feeling for weeks on end, and uh, missing all other aspects of yourself, like being creative, connected to others in a fulfilling way, curious about life able to enjoy life, and confident about your past and future actions. So no wonder you're not living your best life. You feel like you aren't really living, period. Rather, it feels like your brain just does whatever your brain does, often getting stagnated or extremely focused on shit that doesn't actually feel genuine or important to you. And it all happens at the expense of your brain doing anything else. The things that are genuine and important to you. It might even feel like your brain is acutely aware of the fact that it isn't fully you, which causes a lot of stress, disappointment, self-criticism, and doubts about whether or not this existence is even worth working on as your brain analyzes itself. Since... It seems to be out of your control and chocked full of purposeless misery anyways. You're this person when you need to be. You're that person when it's required. You're whoever seems necessary in whatever circumstances dictate. And in your spare time, you're lost in a sea of pain until you disassociate into the sweet, blissful relief of finding nothing as you tune out the rest of the world. Not sure who you are at all anymore if you aren't being volleyed between required roles in your social systems. Maybe even consistently acting like you're still in those systems, which have long since dissipated. Now that pressure is off, shouldn't you go back to being you again? But you don't. You can't. It feels like looking at a past full version of you through glass, but being unable to make contact. And what's the point of even going through these charades when the best parts of you have been so repressed that they're distant, painful memories? Well, welcome back, motherfuckers. Thanks for tuning in on what has been going down in this trauma recovery community. So this month in the Blanket Fort, that's what we call the Patreon stream and private Discord community, we've been talking about something slightly different than usual, doing research through several books with an intense focus on one that's called Internal Family Systems Therapy, Second Edition by Schwartz and Sweezy. So if you're new to IFS, Internal Family Systems, what you need to know is it's a model for understanding the multiplicitous nature of our brains. That is how we're all, all 
not carrying one set of instructions in our heads, which is applied to every single situation. Rather, we all have many somewhat distinct programs. If you're not new to IFS, you've dipped a toe into it before and thought, this is not for me. Uh, Too much. Too abstract. I don't get it. We're on the same page. That was also how I responded, but um, I've given this another swing and it makes a lot more sense now. So let's try to explain it in some better words. So IFS says that this multiplicity is the inherent nature of the brain. It's actually normal. But when we have experiences such as trauma, those programs tend to get one more extreme and two, more polarized. So rather than being a slightly different version of ourselves or carrying out sort of different behaviors depending on the situation, we can have very strong and often very oppositional programs in us. This makes us feel like we are several people stuck under one roof together, swinging it out, And we can't control or predict what's going to pop up when. Who are you today? Who fucking knows? So this can all be contained to your thoughts. Maybe you have differing perspectives on situations that keep you running in loops nonstop. Or they can present as acute behaviors, such as when you suddenly act out of character in a split second in a particular set of circumstances. They can also be seen as patterns of behaviors, such as getting stuck in one mode of action that does not feel fulfilling or authentic to you. Or you can have vicious cycles, finding yourself acting as one person for this period of the day, another set of feelings or thoughts crops up and changes your internal world at some point, and maybe a whole new set of behaviors takes over for the remainder of the evening things like that. How are we seemingly so many people or many personalities or many motivations and instincts all bundled under one skull? How do these programs battle amongst themselves and why? IFS gives us a framework to understand the shifting trends inside and eventually outside of us through a few simple categories of these inner programs, these parts. Refer to prior episodes on parts and fragmented personalities if you need a refresh. So how did IFS all begin? Well, Schwartz worked with children for several years early in his career and saw that they didn't continue to progress in their mental illness recoveries after they returned home to the family, He realized the family worked as a system in which the child was just one part. And when one part attempted to change, it shook that entire system around it. So the system responded by putting the part back in its place. So, for instance, families often had a scapegoat for their problems. And then that child could not change their role in the system or else it threatened everyone else's normal mode of operation. Does that uh, sound pretty familiar already? Well, let's take it one step further. 
He also found that individuals often internalize these roles that they were assigned, as well as the roles that other members in the system held. In other words, an overly critical parent would become part of the psyche as the individual learned to monitor and edit themselves according to the standards that were set by that parent. So, at that point, even removing the child from the family or working directly with the family to try to change the dynamics, it didn't really work. The system was already established, and the client had already imprinted this system, these roles from the external world, into their own internal landscape. Their own brain functioned the same as the family system that they originated from, as if they held the members of their family inside of themselves, which continually pushed them in the same patterns of behavior. From this realization, Schwartz started seeing our brains as being reflective of the systems that we grew up in. Now, not only in our families, but also our broader social systems, such as educational and work environments, peer groups, local community, and our more expansive cultural systems and all of their norms. All of these influences trickle down from the top and become the framework for our brains as they develop. The thing is, we can form very diverse and oppositional instructions from all of these different sources. Sometimes you need to be this person to work in this system, Sometimes you need to be someone completely different to fit into that one. And this led to imbalances and distress in the individual's brain when those acquired roles were not in agreement with each other, or they didn't feel authentic or fulfilling to the person, as if they were cutting out pieces of themselves and over-relying on others that were deemed more important and necessary which often came with great internal confusion and distress. Through this system's thinking and working with clients, who used a particular term when describing these programming changes, Schwartz started studying parts, the roles they took on, and the interactions between them. And he came to a realization. There are specific roles that our inner roles fill amongst each other, they are their own system, but it's internalized within the client. And this explained how they could be, say, a highly functional professional at one point, then feel like a scared and insecure child a few minutes later, and suddenly fall into self-destructive patterns that resembled a dysfunctional and self-sabotaging human shortly thereafter. So let's talk about how that confusing mixture all goes down. He found that there were three basic categories that these roles, these parts, fell into. First up are the manager or protector parts. These are the proactive programs that work to keep us safe in whatever ways our internal system demanded or exemplified. For instance, Having a strong worker part who puts everything on the back burner to achieve external success, which signifies financial and social stability and safety. Or a strong denier part who blocks out painful points of reality so the system can continue functioning without disturbing new revelations. 
or an intense caretaking part who learned that safety was found through serving others, or even a depressed part who said that life is pain, we should protect ourselves by shutting everything down and just existing in the ways that keep us basically alive. These manager or protector parts are our main strategies for surviving in the ways that our systems showed us to. Internalized roles that we probably picked up from others or we were pushed forcibly into in order to keep them happy. And then they just sort of stick. The problem is they come with a great cost. These proactive manager or protector parts have to shut out other pieces of us in order to function in their limited and somewhat rigid scopes. And that's where the exiles come in, the next category of parts. So we have pieces of ourselves that we push away, we deactivate, and we avoid because they get in the way of the goddamn managers and protectors. For instance, highly emotional and historically painful pieces of us, rageful or shameful aspects of our personalities, or parts of us that detract from the manager's available energy, such as our creative pieces. Anything that doesn't serve the motivations of those managers and protectors, it gets turned off, suppressed, and repressed. Problem being... One, that cuts out pieces of ourselves that we like. When we feel like we aren't our whole selves or don't recognize who we've become, we might be speaking to exiles who've been shut down by managers. Those things we just can't access consciously when we want to anymore, and we don't understand why. Number two, the exiles do not stay quiet. They might be repressed, but they haven't gone away, and they cause disturbances for us over time as they increasingly scream and thrash to be let out of their cages. Those feelings, memories, and behaviors that we try to shut out, they don't go anywhere, fucker. They'll show up whenever there's a crack in the system or something triggers them back to life. This causes the internal system a lot of distress as the managers then fight even harder to push those aspects of us away. There's no fucking time or energy for this. We can't deal with it. This brings in, sorry, I really fucking hate this word. The third category, our firefighter parts. Now, in this community, we have decided that we prefer the term distractor parts because it's less fucking stupid and because that is what they actually do. The function of these parts is to numb out or distract us from the unhappy exiles. They see that there's a fire burning and they extinguish it. Fine. <laughs> they do it in whatever ways possible. Even if they are long-term destructive to everyone, we opt for the short-term relief from our historical wounds automatically. Our exiles often contain our burdens, as IFS terms it, our long-standing pains and unwanted memories, though that's not to say that managers can't be burdened as well. So when these groups are riled up 
or both of them are fighting, we do what we can with our distractors to pull our attention from the hurt. Now, our distractors can be things like disassociation, substance abuse, relationship reliances, and anything else that's numbing or comforting, such as staring at your phone or dreaming of the sweet, sweet relief of suicide. These are known distractors slash firefighters. The next problem being that because they're maladaptive coping skills, they push us in the wrong direction, right? Our managers see that damage is being done, our safety is in question, and then they fight back even harder than ever to take control of the whole system again, responding to those distractors. Meaning, we see these parts all working together or against each other cyclically. Our managers slash protectors try to keep us safe by pushing every other program or instinct into line. Our exiles get distressed when they're being ignored and start causing a stink. Our distractors shove themselves into the picture and offer, offer relief, which only riles the system further. And then our managers take back over to be able to present the necessary role to the external environment again. So days when you wake up, work out, go to work, kill it, and then eventually start having these kind of whispers of historical pains coming from the depths below. Then when you find yourself eating, drinking, exercising, retreating, fucking, or otherwise zoning out for comfort, this is the whole system. You're cycling through managers, exiles, and distractors. So you can wake up the next morning, shame yourself harder than ever, and put that manager back into place again with a vengeance. Vicious cycles of these internalized roles all responding and reacting to one another. The thing is, they have the intention of keeping you safe while doing so. None of these parts are bad or evil or nefarious parts. They're just specialized parts with extreme roles learned from your environment that often contradict one another. So we can have multiple manager parts, for example, and they can all have different acquired roles that seem ultimately, unquestionably necessary. So when they're telling us different things, then we have no idea what we're supposed to do. We're locked in an internal battle between these possible choices. Though they don't feel like choices, those parts feel, again, necessary and unquestionable. At the same time, they might even feel ill-equipped to handle the situation. Our manager parts are rigid, but not necessarily confident. They're, for all intents and purposes, often child versions of ourselves who have been thrust into these roles prematurely. They feel unquestionably responsible for keeping the rest of the system, you, safe, but that does not mean that they are happy about it. They often feel like imposters. So 
That means we can have parts that battle against each other from insecure positions. <laughs> Think of managers at your past workplaces and all the drama that they cause to one another. It's like that. Or they can form coalitions together. Similar parts with similar roles or similar perspectives link up and then dampen other parts of us down. With all of that being said, the answer to working with your parts is not to try to bully them. We don't want to, say, send managers after other managers and think that will end well. We don't want to skip over the managers and try to give the exiles too much power because that also will not work out. So telling yourself, quote, don't do that anymore, for example, will just put a manager in charge of another part in order to create more imbalance, distress, and internal strife. You can't change one part of the system without the rest of the system being affected. Remember? So how do we do this inner work with these duders, non-gendered, to calm everyone down and make the system more balanced, harmonious, cohesive, capable of self-direction, and able to grow out of these rigid roles? Well, we do it using... The self with a capital S. The fourth component of IFS is something separate from our parts. It isn't a role. It isn't a piece of the brain even. So it isn't linked up to our development and adaptations in systems, the ways that managers, exiles, and distractors are. The self, capital S, as we talk about consistently on this show, and, uh, you can check out a year and a half of self-exploration in the backlog of Patreon episodes. It's been an ongoing topic and uh, kind of the thing that lights me up the most as the key to trauma recovery. It's a different entity. It's not your brain. It's that thing that feels like your soul or your spirit or your core, pure energy or whatever phrasing doesn't make you personally gag. Dealer's choice. But the point is, it's this unadulterated aspect of all of us, we all have it, which is able to see things more broadly, kind of with a universal perspective, and it innately contains the knowledge for how to heal ourselves, what we need and how to give those things to us. It knows inherently how to guide us through healing, all of us, all of our parts. If we could just shut down the brainy chatter, reconnect with it, and let it do its goddamn job. The job is to talk to those discrepant programs in our heads, to understand where they came from and why, what the context of our broader systems is, and how that impacted us. Then to understand the burdens that each part contains, the pain points and survival motivations, which may have been passed down generationally, and to find out how that role could be slightly altered in order to capitalize on its strength without letting it take over the entire brain. How could this part be put into a slightly different position 
that better serves the whole system without shutting other parts of us down or actively working against them. We find all of this information and make those minor adjustments through the self while we're accessing our parts one by one and asking them to reveal all of the history that they contain. We figure out what's fucking them, which other roles are silencing them, what painful memories they contain, what self-judgments or survival strategies are keeping them lit up, and we self-therapize them to move towards healing the whole entire system. So the end goal of this work is to create a mind that isn't relying on potentially inauthentic, survival-based, extreme parts of you at the expense of suppressing other, more historical and feely parts of you, to allow you to access all of your parts and roles, your entire brain as needed, rather than feeling shut down and trapped in their vicious cycles. To get back to being your full fucking self, rather than fitting into the defined templates that you picked up from your broader social systems. Now, that means getting room from your inner critic, your workaholic drive, your depression, your professional fawning career, your emotionally cold and protective bits, and creating space for your other interests, your thoughts, your emotions, and your motivations that otherwise don't normally get brought up, while also erasing the need for self-destructive distractions in your life, such as addictions, and providing clarity on the past times in your life that your brain fell out of control, as though it was working against itself and against you. Really, it was working for you all along, because each part has a purpose, a specific function, and it kept you alive in the ways that were deemed necessary. It just may have gone about that in a way that reflected your external systems doing the same thing, which around here means that it's probably been pretty abusive, dismissive, critical, and neglectful to live inside that brain of yours. So the power of IFS is ultimately coming to self-understanding and acceptance, gaining clarity on the baffling things your brain automatically does, releasing outdated perspectives, pain points, and burdens that have been frozen in time and need an update. And from there, developing a new path forward with an ever-developing internal system that isn't parroting the same negative and constraining experiences that you've had in the real world. And that's trauma recovery, folks, through an IFS lens. For a lot more information on this whole system relating to your whole system, check out IFS Therapy 2nd Edition by Schwartz and Sweezy, or pop into the Patreon community to hear the full detailed rundown that we've already done, as well as the personal reflections and insights on IFS from motherfuckers like you. Plus, hop into the bonus episode I put out talking about two additional books that I got myself through, which come in to kind of strengthen and deepen this IFS work 
or any other mental work that you might want to do. Plus, I got a few videos out this month, so we can do some whiteboard examinations of this system. Or, if this was already enough info to get your noggin churning, you're seeing your managers, exiles, and distractors already, well, you might also just kindly consider tossing a few bucks at the Patreon to help support this project, Supporting Brains Around the World. As a one human, one system DIY project, it is both greatly needed and extremely appreciated. And that's it, y'all. Understand your system, negotiate with your parts, and create a new inner landscape for yourself, one that's less polarized against its own parts. Till we wrap again, you know, hail your goddamn self, capital S, hail Archie, and hail your adaptations to ever-changing or continually rigid social systems. That's it. We'll talk again soon. And cheers, y'all. Bye. And I still believe that we're not that hopeless. We're not as fucked as you think in short moments. We can't do anything. The fucking joke is we're winning way.